When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Friday Plan Podcast. Whee! Port 491, two games to review this week. Lucky us. It's a 0-0 against Fulham and a 3-0 defeat to Man United in the Cup. How blessed we are. Uh, joining me to do that is Jack Pierce. Jack, shaking his head. How are you? I'm surprised if any listeners actually stayed on after you've just introduced the topics of conversation. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. Uh, we could talk yeah. about other stuff if you want. No, no, no. no. Let's... Uh, Let's really get into our misery. So let's talk it out. It's pretty good for us. Uh, yeah. Hi, Jim. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Good, good. And Andy Bell is here as well. Belly, how are Hello. you? Uh, how are you doing? Oh, great. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, it basically, we've already done part one. So why not just do part two again? <laughs> they, what they should have done is just, like, done, like, a Sunday League doubleheader and just, like, played it again straight away afterwards and then, like, saved everyone the journey of coming back up. Four days later to Manchester, but don't you hate when football throws these things up though? When it when it's the same team twice in a week, it's just oh come on! It it happens more often than than not. Well, not more often than not. Obviously, it doesn't happen more often than not. That would that would be a, an, an unreal ratio. But it does seem to happen sometimes, quite often. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway. Before we get into those two games, um, a reminder that for this season, FYP is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Palace fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and go down your local Green King pub to get closer to the action. And there's two games over the next few weeks that are on TV, Forest and Spurs home games. So the perfect opportunity to get down a Green King pub. Green King Sport have just launched the Green King Sport Instagram page, which will be home to fan content deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow and you won't just be first to know but all about, about all of this. You'll be helping out the FYP podcast uh, and you can find your nearest Green King pub at greenking.co.uk slash pubs hyphen near hyphen me. Link is below in the show notes right now and of course as ever you can get more from the fyp podcast by joining our patron at patreon.com slash fyp podcast to get rewards like post-match pods ad free uh, episodes and access to the patron only discord club that's patreon.com slash fyp podcast i will be dropping in this week's midweek post-match pod from man united into this episode actually for everybody uh, which i recorded with selzy this morning from his hotel room in manchester before he traveled back down south so that's a little little gimme for everyone there oh and i say that if you want to listen to <laughs> two of us moaning for 25 minutes about losing three nils to man united of course you do you're palace fans that's why i listen to this podcast um Black trap that's what i say Black <laughs> trap Rob's on holiday, so I might just name this episode Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, well, hey, it's all about opinions, and that's what happens on the uh, on the main pod and on the post match pod. Um, let's, well, Jack, let's start with that nil nil against uh, against Fulham. It had I'll start with the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it in my veins. Um, it <laughs> that's very part good, wasn't it? It had all the hallmarks, and in fact, it was very similar to a nil nil against Fulham mm. from Roy's first tenure. I feel like that was later on in the season, that one, and, and very different, you know, scenarios surrounding both clubs. But as that was a quite an, a forgettable game, I feel like this one is one that won't be go down in the archives as a memorable 90 minutes against the Cottagers. Yeah, I was reminded of that game after the full-time whistle. And, and I think in respect of Saturday just gone, it probably wasn't as bad as that one, um, simply because we were actually there for this one. The last time we felt obliged to watch it on TV. And, um Seems to recall the BBC were aired that one, which uh, yeah, probably prompted more challenges for the TV license than anything. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great on Saturday, was it? It was um, it was a bit dull and kind of got to the end of the game. Was just grateful that we managed to get a point. To be honest, it, it wasn't a game where we we posed much of a threat. We had Ebbs's shot that just kind of whistled wide in the first half. But apart from that, we d- we did um, we did struggle going forward. I thought there were some. Some decent performances. I thought Mark Gay was absolutely outstanding. It's really good to have him back. Um, and I think, you know, that that's probably the most positive thing to talk about Saturday. I think the, the key thing, and I think it, it's obviously just um, developed since then and, and the League Cup performance, which we'll, we'll chat about in a moment, but the options from the bench were the killer. I mean, from, from where I was, there were just shouts to Roy of make the sub, the sub being Mateta for, for Schlupp, I guess. Most people presume that was going to be the sub, but the difficulty Roy had and, and has is that really was his only viable substitution on, on Saturday. And I think it's really probably a case of caring t- almost too much as to when he made that sub. I think he probably could have made the sub 10 minutes early. He could have made it five minutes later. I don't think it, it truly mattered. But the fact that that was his only viable substitute option um, says it all. We'll talk about Jez as well, I'm sure. He was the only other sub made and he came on as, as the kind of clock ticks beyond 90. So... It's a very difficult job the manager's got at the moment. And um, I think that is is what is causing all of the kind of aggro and stress that Palace fans seem to be feeling at the moment. But yeah, there's that Saturday was an option. When Fulham are bringing on subs, not even amazing calibre, but subs like Harry Wilson, what we do for a Harry Wilson coming off the bench and, you know, Alex Awobi, 22, 23 million pounds, just the transfer window just gone. That type of player would love to have the option, but they just weren't there. And, and that, that kind of sums up the performance and... Well, sorry, not the performance, but just sums up the mood, really. But yeah, one for the purists, I think we'll uh, we'll put that one down. As... It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a strange vibe, I thought, at Selhurst Park on Saturday as well. Like even from where we were, you could see in the top tier of the homestyles a few empty seats, which you don't which you don't often see, especially for a London derby. I just the whole thing felt a little bit muted. It was a yeah. bit odd, it, like it never quite got going, and there was it never sprung into life, really. But is that because it's Fulham? Is that maybe? I feel like all Fulham games are muted. Just in the way, end, just in the way end of Hugh Grant and Richard Osman. It's not quite the, uh, quite the same. And that, that probably is part of it. I, I agree entirely with Andy. Though the, the atmosphere did seem, you know, a couple of people described it as, as pretty dead. It, it did mm. seem very lacklustre. And um, yeah, I mean, the players have a duty to to I guess give us something to to cheer about on the uh, on the touchline. But even that kind of constant buzz. You get a Palace home games wasn't really there on Saturday. I think um, 
yeah, so there's a, a low ebb around the place at the moment and, and not helped by events at Old Trafford last night either. No, I do, I do think on top of it, I totally agree, Jack. I thought Gay was really good. But on top of that, I thought Will Hughes did pretty well on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought he was really putting himself about and taking his opportunity. I think we lost a lot by not having Burma in there. But mm-hmm. I thought he really grabbed his opportunity. And I think he was one of the only ones who came out of last night with a bit of credit as well. I mm-hmm. thought he really sort of gave his all when he uh, when he came on and of course Sam Johnson thought Sam was really really good on um really good on Saturday and I was I bumped into him as I left shook his hand my god that guy has huge hands huge hands <laughs> sporting uh, sporting which gloves I can't remember do remind me <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not really sure which which uh, glove manufacturer he works with but uh yeah he was uh, he was I said congratulations to him, and he was in he was in really good spirits as he walked past me. So, uh, yeah, I thought another one who came out with a bit of credit. It would yeah. it'd be weirder if you walked away saying, "I shook his hand." Normal size hands, <laughs> small if anything. Small hands. I, mean, I, I was hoping you'd say big hands. Otherwise, <laughs> we've made a grave ever. Now he was very good. He was obviously clearly Palace's man of the match. It was um, it was quite telling with with Selzy after the play. There's saves that he'd hoped to make as a goalkeeper. But he still made them, and they made them at really important times. And it, it did seem um, that we were relying on him making the saves that we needed him to make to get that point. So, yeah, absolutely right. Probably exceeded Mark Gay in terms of performance. So, rightly, probably the man of the match. And, and Will Hughes, just get that kind of consistent level of performance from Will Hughes now when he comes in. Um, he does a job. It's different to the type of job that that we've seen from Jefferson Lerma at the early part of the season. But... I've no issue when Will Hughes comes into the team. I think he was featured in last week's 3-2-1. And I think it's it's fair to say that when he does come in the team, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, he he does keep things moving. I, what I always really like with Will Hughes is just how tidy he is with the ball. He's got a lovely way to pass. Um, he does love to get stuck in. I think he put in probably my favourite tackle of the season so far after I the first half. And that got a huge kind of cheer. It was probably something that woke a lot of Palace fans up. And, and that actually did put us on the front foot for about five or so minutes, I think that spell of play ended up with Ebbs having that chance that just whistled past the post. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've no issue, but we are missing Jefferson Lerma. I think even though he's only played four games, we can see the impact he has on that team. Is it worse being in the ground for a Fulham nil-nil like this or watching from home? Depends where you're sitting. <laughs> and who you're sitting with. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I had the fortune of going out for a nice lunch with my cousin and his wife before the game, so I had a, I had a nice day anyway. But um, Jim, you said watching on TV was a fairly difficult experience. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I only I was watching my kids, so I didn't get to see a lot of it. So I probably watched maybe that's not ideal for a podcast host. I mean, it's maybe half an hour in total, but I feel like even that was half an hour too much. Uh, I could have watched thirty seconds. I got a vibe. I mean, I'm just. I've been taken back to lockdown, thinking about this at the other nil-nil. Because when there were bad games in lockdown like that one, you could just turn off the TV and be like, right, well, on with my day. You know, I'm back to whatever. But if you're at the ground, you're then still in the whole routine of when i got to leave and get back on the train and maybe I go to the pub or whatever. And it's just, I feel like those results sit with you longer. Whereas someone like me who's watching at home because of childcare, I think you're able to move on a little bit quicker. And I haven't been sucked into the... And we'll come on to questions in part two. There's a lot of negativity. And really, it's a nil-nil against another mid-table team. And maybe it was the the style of the game, or maybe it was the lack of attacking 
threat, which has been an issue this season already. But on paper, it's not necessarily a disappointing one. But people seem to be really triggered, Andy. You know what? I think um, as I left the ground, <clears throat> excuse me, I bumped into a mate. I said, oh, it's frustrating. It's hard to watch, wasn't it? And he just said to me, respect the point. It's like, actually, do you know what? Okay, fair enough. It's better than we did last year against them, infinitely. So let's take the point and move on. I think maybe the whole thing was made worse by what had happened at Villa the week before. I think if we had got out of Villa, either with a win or with a point, and the point there, we'd have been like, do you know what? Yeah, what a good start to the season we've had. Squad is thin. We've got a couple of injuries, but wow, we're punching above our weight. But to have the gut punch of Villa, followed by a bit of a damp squib, you know, just didn't look like we were going anywhere in particular. I think that probably added to the overall level of frustration. And I was I was with a couple of Fulham fans as well, which made it infinitely worse as well. You know, I think <laughs> they felt they felt really aggrieved not to have come away with the win. So you know, on balance, on balance, I think it was a point was fair. For, for both teams, but they were very like, oh god, you lot were rubbish, which really didn't help either. The uh, the first half was was particularly poor. Both teams were were bang average. I don't think that was really helped by some peculiar refereeing, but um, you know, some yellow cards issued when you wouldn't expect a yellow card to be issued, and they're not issued when he'd set the precedent. But kind of all culminated in, I hope, the most ridiculous play acting we'll see at Selhurst this season in Andres Pereira falling <laughs> to the floor. Um, after Jacob Anderson brush, I mean, I'm sure Jacob Anderson brushing past you probably is quite a force, but Andres Pereira, that was the the most embarrassing thing I've seen at Selhurst for a long time, really. And um, it did kind of add to that panto vibe of the first half. It, it really didn't seem like a, a Premier League football match for, for much of that first half. But, but I, I agree with Andy in terms of respecting the point. I think the concern is for a lot of Palace fans, they don't want to be in the habit of respecting the point too often this season. And I think the fear is that Saturday's performance might begin the pattern of respecting the point a little bit too much. Um, I look ahead, we'll talk about Manchester United, um, the actual league fixture after that, but I'm already looking ahead to Forest in 10 days' time and I'm already thinking that's going to be quite a difficult watch, particularly with the added injuries we've got. So it'll be quite interesting to see how the fans respond to whatever approach we take, presuming that the approach will have to be fairly limited given the playing resources that will be available to Roy. But hey, let's uh, let's not rush ahead and stress ourselves out next week. We'll have that joy next week. But uh yeah. Well we'll 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 come on to Man United in a minute and we'll hear from Selsa who was at, at the uh, at the game. I just think I'm looking through a few of the questions and like and I won't name names but one person's put, why bother? This club will only ever be mediocre. The quicker we get used to meh the better. And I kind of feel like it's only September, guys. Like, yeah, I get it. I, it's it's frustrating, but like, and I, and I wonder if Roy is a little bit of a victim of his previous spells. So that when things are going well, I think people know that like he can handle these younger players and get the best. And when it goes badly, I think people are taken back mentally to that first spell, particularly the lockdown spell, when not only was the squad too old and the football wasn't great as a result of that, it we weren't there. And I I wonder if people are really quick. And like, this isn't a criticism. This is, I, 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 this is like I'm sort of um, looking into the the psych- psychology of it. So I think we just quickly go back to that time when things were frust- frust- frustrating again. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. It's it's just the talk sport nature of of where we're at nowadays, isn't it? Like you go into the international break on seven points, 
or whatever place we were in the league and everyone's like what a start to the season Elise's coming back we're gonna have Branta like this is this is exciting it's gonna be great to get two pretty mediocre games later and it's like oh here we go again it's just a bit of a reality check isn't it that's all it is like mediocre was year after year in the championship with Peter Taylor and loads and loads of rubbish so let's let's park it for a minute and just say actually things are pretty good aren't they Things are pretty good. And how good is it to be disappointed with what's going on right now? Just just to park that one. However, still pretty frustrating. Yeah, exactly. Not to diminish level. fans' feelings because it was <laughs> still wasn't great. I, I think um, I've, I've actually been surprised at the degree of criticism Roy's received. I think you're exactly right, Jim, that it's because of what's come before it towards the end of his first spell. But... Well, given the arrangement of, of appointing him to one more year, in terms of him not having one of the players available, I thought I, I, I thought there was like a consensus that the feeling was that he wasn't really involved in player recruitment because of this kind of arrangement that we have with him that it's one more year. So to then see, oh, Roy's being Roy again, I don't know if that's particularly fair. I, I think he hasn't got the tools at his disposal that he, he needs, as a Premier League manager would need, um, to kind of play across two competitions. And it's, it's taken sequence of injuries to kind of show how thin the squad is not to echo Celsius point but particularly in wide areas um and, and Jeffrey Schlupp and maybe one thing we talked we didn't talk about about the Fulham game is that you know Jeffrey Schlupp had to be deployed as the number 10 and I take on the point that it was to kind of combat Jao Polina but that did in essence move Eberich Eze from where I think a lot of Palace fans think he's most effective so you're already having to move players out of their better positions to accommodate kind of the lack of players available to Roy but for Roy to get the criticism, I don't really know, both against Fulham and then again last night, don't really know what options he has available to him that he, he hasn't used. Um, you know, he's crying out for Jez to get minutes. Well, he got 45 of them last night and he'll probably not want to think about those 45 minutes again. Now, I think Selzy kind of goes into that when, when we hear from Selzy in a minute. So for Roy to get the criticism, I don't really understand. I think we all know that Roy's here for one more year. So to think that he's been involved in turning players away during the summer... Just don't, I think that's for the birds, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. I think last night, actually, bigger picture did Roy a bit of a favour because, you know, you have certain pockets of fans who said, why isn't Raksaki playing? It's like, all right, well, let's play him then. Didn't go so great, did it? Like, And, and I, I'm not saying there isn't a great prospect there, but, you know, because he's done well in League One does not mean he's going to do well in the Premier League. It's just a fact. Like, we all hope he will. But it's just a fact, you know, even some of the other sort of more fringe players, like we saw last night what they're capable of. That was a Man United, a second string Man United team. Like, and they've started really poorly. So, again, let's have, a, let's have a little bit of perspective on some of those fringe players who we're crying out to see that, frankly, just aren't probably good enough. Like they're good, they're good in stopgap moments where we're desperate for numbers. But the, str- the strength there is... Just, just not enough. It's just not enough. I did feel a little bit sorry for Roy in terms of. I think the club made maybe a mistake. You know, after the, the when he had been there at Villa, and there was that line that had come out that said, "Oh, we struggled to make the stream work. We had to listen to it on the radio." It's like, guys, it's 2023. Like, even if that's the case, like, don't tell anyone that. You're just <laughs> making him look antiquated. That doesn't help anybody. That gives average man who goes down the pub and has a couple of pints and likes to talk about Palace like the rest of us, just like, Jesus, you know, he can't even watch the games. What's the point? 
what's he going to do by listening to the radio? I thought that was really unhelpful. I just I didn't think that did him any favors. He might have, someone should have probably said to him like, "All right, just keep that one under your hat, shall you?" You know, like we don't need to talk about it. Um, but yeah, tricky, tricky as we look ahead, isn't it, to the weekend? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That does feed into the kind of the 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 Roy narrative, the negative Roy narrative. But look, listen, looking ahead, actually looking back, let's go to Selzy, who was at. Man United last night and hear his thoughts on that League Cup defeat. Yes, it's time for the post-match pod, sort of. Post-match pod in the main pod. What are we doing? Who knows? Well, it was a very... We don't normally give too much time to the League Cup and I feel like today we'll give even less time after a 3-0 defeat. At Old Trafford. Joining me from his salubrious Manchester hotel room, it's of course Adam Sells. Adam, how are you this morning? Uh, flat as a pancake, JD. Flat as a pancake. That would be right. But did you have a pancake for breakfast? No, that was that was probably down there, but that was about the only thing I haven't spilt on my shirt this morning. <laughs> so. Well, that's in keeping. That's very much in keeping yeah. with the theme of the last 24 hours at Palace. Yeah, before we, before we get onto the game, really quickly, um, what was the issue with with Dean Henderson and 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 is he okay? Do we sort of know what? Because that, that was a, that was a very disappointing, I think, obviously for him and for Palace fans. Looking forward to seeing him play. 17 minutes in, looks like he pulled up with something. Is he okay? Do we know much about it? Don't know. I spoke to him briefly last night. I think they're going to send him for a scan today or tomorrow. I mean, I think it's the thigh that he was injured and had the operation on previously, but I don't, I don't know whether it's kind of as bad as that. As in, that, that I mean, what's actually supposed to happen on his when he's had the operation? He did. He, I was actually at Forest, Leicester, in the middle of January when he got injured last season, and tried. I think he, he tried to recover naturally over time and stuff, and then. It wasn't healing properly and sort of kept sort of breaking down. Not I don't know if that's the right word, breaking down, but it wasn't it wasn't going in the way that it possibly could. Let's put it that way. And I think that the scar tissue and all these sorts of things were were an issue with the recovery. And he, I think, in the end, the surgeon sort of said to him, "If you get it done, it's done," sort of thing. And ironically, they 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 they. They tie, I think, two tendons together in the thigh. So actually, the the thigh is is actually stronger thereafter than a normal human like yours or mine without the surgery, basically. So, and he's done a lot of rehab over the last four months odd, and everything uh, seemed to be okay. But you don't know whether because of the injury, whether it's something muscular or whatever that's around it that's maybe. Like where it's it's a bit weaker or whatever it is, and let's hope it's something reasonably minor. But um, I guess we'll find out today or tomorrow what the what the story is. Yeah, we wish him the best because um, yeah, oh, disappointing. He was, really, he was really looking forward to it, JD. Actually, he called me when I was on the train yesterday on the way up and said, oh, "I'm really looking forward to this, and you know, I want to get stuck in and show everyone what I can do and all that sort of stuff." And and it was back at Old Trafford. So, yeah, exactly. Perfect stage. You know, the, the scene was set for Palace victory on penalties and him stopping a few and it all to uh, to go our way. But uh, sadly, the uh, Royal Rovers uh, 
the Roy the Rovers idea went out the window and it was the harsh reality of top-level football instead that we were left to, uh, left to contemplate after 90 minutes. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was very unfortunate for Sam that he comes on and, and within about 30 seconds, he's picking, literally his first thing to do is pick the ball out of the net after yeah. Garnacho sort of puts it in. It was, um, it was, it was a bit of a flat performance from, from Palace. I mean, a lot, you know, a fair few changes. Um, unfortunately, I think the players that came in, Klein, Holding, didn't necessarily, uh, Richards, I thought did okay, actually, but he did, but, he did. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't think those other players maybe sort of took their opportunity. I know it's Holding's first game, so maybe a bit harsh there. Took the opportunity to kind of show what they, they can do. Um, it just felt like a very, I, I felt like I'd been in this situation before. I feel like every sort of couple of years, we end up losing in the League Cup third round to Old Trafford. It felt like a very, we've been here many, many times before. And I know Roy said last week, He'd like to attack the cup, but did make reference to the fact that he doesn't feel like he's got a squad able to do that. And I think in the end, we just sort of saw that played out. Yeah, I agree. It had a sort of feeling of uh, inevitability about it all, I think, quite honestly. I think the... uh, And Roy, you know, first of all, he wants to make a few changes and rest people with three games in seven days. So... Yes, right back we could change. Well, first of all, we could change the goalkeeper. Uh, the right back situation, Kleine, we could do. The two centre-backs we could do. We haven't got another left back of any kind in the squad. So Tyrick had to play. You know, check the Corey. Managed to get Gyro a game where I thought actually showed up all right, really. Yeah. Um, him and Chris Richards were the sort of main sort of beneficiaries of the night, let's say, in the, in a night where there weren't very many positives at all. Um, and then, but the, the issue is, obviously, no Tompkins, no Ahamada, no Lerma. Now Dean Henderson's injured. Edward has a slight hamstring injury, which they're hoping he might play at the weekend, but I don't know if he will. Obviously, no Elise, no Franca. You know, six, seven players out of a squad that is already paper thin, really, and it's it's really difficult. And I have to say, sitting in the press room last night, Roy, um, Roy actually seemed sort of the most resigned I'd ever seen him. Really, as a there, he was fielding questions at, about the weekend and like what would he, what was he thinking, and what's he going to do, and how's he going to change things, and all that. And he, he basically said, oh, "There's only so many things I can change. I can change a few players, but so can Manchester United and Marcus Rashford will probably play on Saturday, and you know, one or two others. So it's not going to be. Uh, I don't necessarily know we're going to have too much difference on Saturday. I think the main." The main issue is is in attack where they just are not the options, you know. And Jez, I'm a fan of Jez, and he played last night. And even me, who's a big fan of Jez, anybody that thinks he should be playing in our team and Roy's not giving a youngster a chance, only had to look at his performance last night, really. He looked a little bit... Um, like a rabbit in the headlights, really, in that sense. And overawed a bit. I thought the most telling part of the game was, uh, and that, that gave the biggest summary or the clearest summary of the evening, was when 
Amrabat sort of ushered him off the pitch towards the end of the first half and he put the ball behind the goal and they were by the hoardings and, and Amrabat sort of patted him on the head like a little boy, basically. <laughs> and I thought it was quite condescending, but I have to say it probably was men against boys in that sense and that's sort of how, how it played out. I mean, very difficult as we've talked all season and we're probably going to talk about this until January, but it's very difficult with such lim- limited, you know, we, we are three forward players light in the squad. I think, I think you have to have in a 25 man squad, three goalkeepers, eight defenders, six midfield players and eight attackers. Well, I think you can say we've got, are you Mateta, Edward, Elise, uh, France is not even old enough to qualify in that sense. Elise, if you call Ebbs an attacker, I don't know, midfield player or attacker, but all right, even for the benefit of this. So that sort of takes us up to five. It doesn't leave you, you know, if you're going to play three of them and two of them are going to go on the bench if everybody's fit. How often is everybody fit in the season or available? You know, it's just. It's very, very hard to comprehend how we've allowed this to sort of happen, really, in that sense. And, you know, we've talked numerous times about the window and the fact that there were free agents and loans and things that could have plugged the gap. They didn't have to spend huge sums of money. But actually, J.D., it comes down to, at the end of the day, just a a real lack of bodies. You know, they just are not the bodies. You know, they're... There aren't the players available. We haven't. We we do not have a big enough playing staff of experienced players to be able to deal with this. And you know, I talked at the weekend with um, Rob and Dom, and Rob was keen to sort of, you know, give Raksaki a go, and sort of cited that we didn't really give young players a go, which uh, Dom rather. Uh, unusually or out of character retorted with claptrap. But uh, the the point being is that we talk about pathways for young players and not wanting to block them. But if Jez is the sort of pick of the bunch, you're actually harming Jez by doing this at the moment. Jez should be on loan at a championship club, having had a very successful and productive spell at Charlton last season and building on what he's already done so that he's ready. We've made a step too far too quickly and I have to tell you, I'm one of the people that wanted to keep Jez here, but because we didn't have anybody else. And that's what we've had to do because we didn't sign anybody else. And now, look where we are. You know, we, we've ended up with uh, with two young boys, Malcolm and Jez, who aren't really ready to play in our first team. And Franca and Elise, that's it, really. The, you know, you can call Jordan, are you a wide player? But he's not an orthodox wide. He doesn't carry the ball and face up the defender and beat him and go past him. He meanders and wriggles around and goes inside and does his thing. But it's not the same. Jeffrey Schlupp has been used on the other side a lot. We've had to use Ebbs on the left because just to give us something out there and some balance. But, I mean, when you've got Ebbs with Elise and friends are hopefully either side of him, then we can cause some teams some trouble. But as we know... I think if we put our best team on the field, we've probably got nine or ten very decent Premier League players and some Champions League players in there. But 
the trouble is at the moment, any change that you make, apart from the goalkeeping position, you're probably heavily downgrading most areas. I'll give Chris Richards a big shout there because he's more than capable of coming into our team and doing very well. I think he's excellent and uh, as a centre-half. And interestingly, last night, I think that was the first time someone else listening may be able to remember something that I'm not, that's not coming to me, you know, quickly. But I can't ever remember Roy playing a back three in any game whatsoever since he's been the manager of Crystal Palace in either spell. So again, that that probably showed you sort of how desperate we are. But maybe with Chris Richards at the moment, that may be the way to go because we don't, don't really have the orthodox wide players to cause the other team's problem. So perhaps playing with wing backs may be a solution and uh, and getting ebbs and uh, and our talented players like that around the striker. Maybe that is is the way forward. But I have to say. You know, you are really, you know, the cynics might call that, um, you know, uh, rearranging the chairs on the Titanic type thing. But it's not a, uh, uh, you know, the deck chairs on the Titanic analogy has been used a few times. But I don't think we're in a sort of desperate state, but it's not what it's about. We want to move forward. We want to take the club forward. After 11 seasons, our 11th season in the Premier League, we should be stronger than this in League Cup ties, you know, to go on and, and make a proper challenge. You know, the, 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 like I said to you, the number of players that, that, that we, we're just short of. And then, you know, you throw in a few injuries. And like I said to you before, you always have four or five players unavailable even any week. So the idea that you can get away with such a sort of thin squad and rely on these young players who, frankly, aren't ready or or at the level at this point. So I don't really see, you know, in that under-21 group, France is the only one we haven't seen that we hope might be good enough to make the step. And I think he probably is, but, you know, from the bits I've seen. But, the you know, we, you know it's all very well wanting to believe that and no one more than me, given my experience, to, to to develop players and put them in from our academy, JD. But it is hard at the moment to see if Jez is the sort of pick of the bunch and he's he's far from ready for the rigours of Premier League football, then, you know, there's not going to be too much else in the meantime that's likely to come in and uh, and set the world alight. It's a real shame, but... You know, we we this pathway idea. I know that Steve talked about this. You know, we don't want to block people's pathways into our team, but these people have to be good enough. And again, you know, this notion that the playing staff and Roy and Co look at the look at the playing squad and go, I'm not going to play him because he's a young player. I don't believe that at all. I think if they're good enough, they're going to be in your team. You know, I don't I don't see any different with that. And this is a hard situation for Palace right now with these injuries and how much Roy can even change and do before Saturday but let's be honest you know you know the season's a long one you know this happens and we're not prepared and we haven't been prepared yeah it is a bit of a familiar scenario I have to admit last night I was I had it on my iPad in front of me while my wife was watching uh Bake Off and um 
once the goals started going in, I did end up watching a bit more of Bake Off really than than the game. It was slightly more interesting. But Palace don't really have their own showstopper, as it were, aside from Ebbs. He's the only player really that can do anything for us in that regard. And he did come off the bench with about 25 minutes to go or so. And a lot of people were, were critical of this. I think Palace were 3-0 down at the time. Um, but we did look more threatening when he came on. There was a chance for um, a couple of chances for Mateta that Onana pulled good saves out of. Were you? What was your reaction when Eze came on? Were you frustrated that it was a bit of an unnecessary sub? Or was it one of those things where Palace needed something and he's the only person really that can do it for us? Well, I think that you can see that both ways. I did sort of ask the question that, you know, if we weren't starting and the game was sort of lost at that point, but, you know, he did come on and give us a few moments of quality and hope. Um, but the problem is he is a one-man band right now. He is the only player in the group that can give us something really different and go past people. And without the other ones, it's it's very, very difficult, you know, very difficult. And, I do, you know, in some ways, I'm actually quite surprised, Jim, overall, that we've scored the amount of goals we have this season because I really thought we could struggle. And I don't think there'll be too many of the listeners that would have thought that uh, Jean-Philippe Mateta and uh, Odson Edouard would have had eight goals between them at this point, you know, in the in the games that they've played. Um and so that's been a sort of welcome bonus, but it's had to be really because, you know, my concern about scoring goals is now becoming sort of more apparent in the in the sense that, you know, we didn't, we rarely travelled Bernalino on Saturday. And, you know, last night, I think Jean-Philippe Mateta had a couple of shots on target towards the end of the game, which were blocked by Onana, but that was... Um, that was it from an attacking perspective from Palace. So, you know, we've got to hope that um, with the trip this Saturday and the train strike thrown in, that uh, could be a pretty miserable 10-hour round trip, couldn't it, if uh, if we're still in the same vein and struggling to create chances and hit the target. We're going to round off in a minute because I don't think either of us want to keep talking about this miserable night. But but on a more positive note, what did we learn then from a positive point of view? Richard seemed to sort of hold himself quite well. We think Gyro actually, we don't see much of him, but maybe sort of took his chance a bit. Are those, I mean, I are you put in a sort of classic IU 7 out of 10 performance. Are those the only highlights and the only things from a positive angle that we learned from last night? Yeah, I, I, I think there were very few positives, JD, very few. Um, Richards has shown himself to be a very decent central defender and very much giving us sort of very much giving us cover and quality that's required if we're missing one of the two regular central defenders. And it's an area that we have got some reasonable cover in. Rob Holding didn't show up too well in the sense that um, that uh, it wasn't a, a great debut for him. And I was surprised by the signing. It was done last minute as a sort of cheap option. I'm not really sure what it achieved. I've, when I've seen Rob Holding at Arsenal, I've not thought he was good enough at all. And I think they've bought him for like a million pounds or something down. I mean, it's next to nothing. Um 
but you know it, it's not somebody I would have been looking for for Crystal Palace and likewise I probably wouldn't have kept James Tompkins at the end of the season and the war decline situation similar but if the money isn't there you know they, they're not going to go and replace the players so you're You've got a few players in your squad that really aren't going to give you very much or aren't going to be at the level you need all of the time. And, you know, that's that sort of the fullback situation, you know, probably, um, I guess, with the lack of wide players available that can do something, the fact you don't have, like, very sort of, attacking fullbacks that I mean Tyrick has a bit of a go but Wardy rarely sort of ends up in the final third delivering crosses or or whatever. I think, you know, that that probably is sort of um accentuating the problem a little bit further. But, you know, we really haven't done what we've needed to do in terms of the squad being rejuvenated and as I've said many times it's not only about money there were plenty of free agents and loans and things that would have been very good for us but we've kind of kicked the can down the road again and the worry is that we're going to probably do that for long enough that when we could have built on a Gehi, Anderson, uh, Decori, Elise, Eze, um quality uh, their quality then hold on Joe do there's someone at the door hold on one second okay yeah one Sorry, JD. Sorry, That's okay. Some maintenance guy from the hotel I wanted to check the screen or something in the room. Uh, sorry, where did I get, where did I stop? Um, I can't remember. I, can't remember. I was thinking about your no, TV. Sorry, I was talking about the players, wasn't I? So, yeah. So the you know with the Elise's, the Eze's, the um, the two central defenders, the Corey. You know, we have a really good platform, goalkeepers, you know, to to an Edward finding his feet this season, you know, to to say to you, we've got a very decent team when everybody's fit. But there are still areas that we haven't addressed, we've not covered, we've not brought in personnel. And I think the worry is that a lot of this may pass and these players will leave the club at some point, without us actually ever really achieving more than we could with them in the in the group. Now, and I get that people will be listening saying, well, what's realistic? What are we expecting? How far should we go? And I'm one of those people, you know. We can't say we ever turn up at Manchester United and say we expect to win. I mean, Roy's last two games here prior to last night, he's won both of them as Crystal Palace manager. I doubt there's ever been, I'm pretty certain, without checking factually that there's probably not a manager in Crystal Palace's history that's ever won two league games in the top flight back-to-back at Old Trafford one season after another. But again, you know, you, you, you're basically making do 
And the feeling for me is that, okay, we're better than the Burnleys and the and the Sheffield Uniteds and the Lutons. And I don't think the league is as competitive as it was last year. And there's probably perhaps a little bit of of a relaxed attitude or some people that are critical might call it a slightly complacent approach to to our squad building this year as if to say, well, we're going to be all right anyway. What's the point in doing more, almost? But as a fan, we want more. We want to see us improve. We want to see us kick on. We want to see us try and achieve something with the players we've got. And the nucleus is very, very good. Very good. But, you know, I can't remember many occasions... I think the last time I actually we actually started a season, I felt that the squad was properly equipped for what was coming its way was the year we were fifth at Christmas or whenever under Alan Pardew. And we played the first game of the season at Norwich and won 3-1 on the opening day. And you're looking at our squad thinking, we've actually got a really good group of players here and we're ready to, to sort of tackle this. But, you know, this... This, uh, you've got to feel sorry for Roy because, you know, when he's had a good hand, he's able to to show you what he can do. And, he, you know, and he's been excellent. But I think there's probably, you know, an argument that, that, that could be sort of accepted that perhaps one of the reasons that, Roy is given the the job is that he doesn't make too much of a fuss over personnel and doesn't stamp his feet and won't be knocking on everybody's door demanding things all of the time. He gets on with what he's got. And, you know, he's an exceptional coach and we're very lucky to have him. But I have to say, looking at him last night, JD, he was quite, uh, quite down after the game, I felt. And that uh, I don't blame him really because... You, you're asking him to come and do the job with not enough. And I think you, you've seen that, I mean, we're starting to fire blanks now. I think I said to you before, we've already sort of had the maximum out of what we've got to a degree in the early part of the season. And two wins, two draws, two defeats, you know, we can beat the teams in the in the bottom five or six, we can we can probably get draws off the Brentfords and the Fulhams that are the teams in and around us, and we're not good enough to 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 give the bigger teams a bloody nose and have a bit of a go at them because we don't have the firepower. When I say the firepower, I'm talking about not just goal scoring. I'm talking about creating chances and having wide players and go past people and do something a little bit special to change the game. When we have everyone fit and out there. We'll be a match for any team in the Premier League and we'll give them a game. How often does that actually happen? You know, and when you don't have them, I think the the the, the options and the and the and the other players that, that at your disposal to to bring in just aren't really at the level or or it's too big a drop off, I think. You know, so it's very hard to see what's gonna go down really at the moment, other than a sort of very long spell of mediocrity and, and maybe that's what what it should be based on what we've done and all that sort of stuff. But as a as a follower of Crystal Palace for many years, and I'll say many, forty odd I think it's like forty eight season for me or something, you know, this is 
this is a really good opportunity that I feel that we we haven't taken and the next step doesn't necessarily have to be as huge as people think it is and just that little bit of extra depth would have made a massive difference but not having anybody isn't really on and it's all coming home to roost all the stuff we've talked about from the first week of the season you know about need more players need more players and Roy in fairness you know he, he was open at the start of the season saying I need four more players or whatever it is. We didn't get any of them. And then he sort of backtracked and defended saying, well, the the, the, the hierarchy saying well, we kept hold of our best players and that's a, a big result for us as well and so on. And he's right. But, you know, he has not got enough to work with either in quality or number. So where, where can we go and what can we do? not too much at the moment, and everything's going to feel very predictable, just as last night's game did, JD, I think. Well, we'll do it all again on Saturday. I did have a quick quick look at the um, the head-to-heads. We've only ever won at Old Trafford five times in our entire history. Two of those were under Roy Hodgson, so he has got 40% of our wins at Old Trafford. Uh, but anyway, we'll I'm do it again on, on Saturday. I'm trying to think of the others. So we beat them... <laughs> We beat them. You've got a train uh, to catch, Adam. We beat them in 1989, 2-1, I think, didn't we? Russell uh, Beardsmore scored for United. I think Brighty got two for us that day. Yeah, you've two missed one. one. You've missed one that, that gets replayed a lot, not in the not in the league from a Darren few years Ambrose, ago. Darren Ambrose, yeah. 2012. 11. So then the two under Roy, that's four. So which one am I missing? Which one am I missing? When else did we beat them at Old Trafford? You're going back. I can. Do you want me to give you the year? Yeah, go on then. 1970. Oh, okay. That was the year I was born. So we won that season, did we? Now? One nil. One nil in October 1970. Okay, I was precisely nine months old at that point, <laughs> JD. So, I and I can't believe I, you don't remember that. I, I can't say I remember it, but I'll probably be able to tell you some of the personnel that were involved <laughs> with that day. But. Uh, Older listeners might remember that. Uh, when I say older, I'm old. So I think I'm your oldest listener anyway. So there's probably not many, many more than me. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say, not just about in my lifetime, that one just crept in, JD. So, like yeah. I said to you, we can't ever rock up expecting to win, but um, we've got to be hoping to be competitive. But, as I said, it's very difficult. Roy hasn't got much of too many cards to shuffle to uh, to come up with a different solution. Well, we'll see you again on Saturday. Uh, we'll see Gyro again in a year for his annual League Cup appearance. Um, but we'll be back on Saturday well, to review that league game. Last night, JD he was limping at the end when he came off as a sub. So we even we, it was such a bad night. We even managed to not get the sub on when we took the one off. Did we last night at one point? I think Gyro came off. The referee started the game before we could bring this up on. So, so well, there you go. a sort of pretty frustrated figure with the fourth official on the touchline as well for allowing that to happen, I think. But, it uh, was a uh, very palace performance all round. There wasn't very much joy in that at all last night. And it makes you wonder when you're spending the money that there was a very small band of fans there last night. I think even less than went to Plymouth, quite honestly. You know, such was the sort of apathy. But, um, you know, to travel up on the train and stay in the hotel and get to and from and all that, you know, it's quite a lot of money. And whereas, as I said, you can't sort of 
you have to take the rough with the smooth and you know that uh, you're not guaranteed any success. I think, as we talked earlier, that inevitable feeling of how the game would play out, it, it pretty much did, didn't it? It did. Well, anyway, Adam, thanks for joining us. Uh, safe journeys back down south and uh, we'll see you again on Saturday for uh, for round two. You've done brilliantly, JD. It's 10.21. You've even got me finished before Pop Mask starts in nine minutes. So <laughs> There we go. There's it's a, a new day. It's a new day. We're, you know, we're making up for last night. Day, yeah, it's all right. The, first, the, the, day, the, the, the day started with a few problems already and ended with some yesterday. So <laughs> Crystal Palace just putting the uh, tin out on my life at the moment. But, uh, yeah, we're used to it by now. Resilience is a quality we have in an abundance. And... Uh, <laughs> That will be used very much in the coming days, I'm sure. Indeed. Right, we roll on. Thanks, Adam, uh, into the next part of the podcast. Right, thank you to Adam uh, for that. He'll be back, of course, for the patrons on um, Old Trafford again uh, at the weekend on Saturday. Um, Jack, very disappointing about Dean Dean Anderson there, picking up that injury, 17 minutes in. Disappointing for him, disappointing for us, disappointing for everyone. Yeah, Selzy says how excited he was um, to make his Palace debut and obviously being back at Old Trafford and for it's only last 15 minutes or so, such a such a shame. And in terms of kind of the response from Palace fans who have been so critical that Palace have spent money on the goalkeeper um, and not added to other parts of the squad, it's probably the worst thing that could have happened for the club in terms of the... Uh, yeah, the increased criticism regarding that deal. Uh, don't know anything in terms of how long he's going to be out for or um, what the impact of that injury was. But yeah, huge shame for him. Um, and uh, I guess the, if he, depending on how long he's out for it, it kind of leads us back into position of, uh, I guess, Remy Matthews coming in as number two and probably a good thing that Joe Whitworth's still around. Yeah. Your thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, real shame. Real shame. I was really excited to see him play. Although, you know, obviously, you know, Johnson has done brilliantly. So it would have been a real battle. But yeah, I th- you know, it sounds stupid. But for the first 15, 20 minutes, you know, when he did get the ball, he played some really nice passes. And like, oh, actually, well, maybe he's better with his feet and there's something to think about here. And real disappointment. Let's hope it's not too serious and he, he gets back quick enough and gets another opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll update you as and when we hear that, listeners. Uh, right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, this will be fun. Uh, it's time for questions. Welcome back to the Funny Plan Podcast. Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. And before we get into the questions, a reminder that the Palace for Life uh, Foundation Marathon March, the seventh Marathon March, is only a few weeks away. I've got some info here from Bobby Webb uh, from the foundation, who was due to come on the podcast today, um, but ended up going to Old Trafford instead. Such is the dedication of the man. Uh, But he sent me this information. We're only a few weeks away from the seventh Marathon March and sign-ups are closing this Saturday, 30th of September, so not long to get involved if you fancy taking part. We've still got a small number of spaces available. We already have over 175 signed up to walk alongside uh, some of the guys from FYP, Mark Bright, AJ, and club staff, making it the biggest fundraising event yet. 
Uh, we're aiming to raise over £100,000 again, as they did in 2021. So any support, either by taking part or donating to the FYP Just Giving page, which I'll put in the show notes below, will be immensely appreciated. All of the money raised through the march goes directly to the Palace for Life work with young people in the local community. There is also a special initiative to get involved and raise £300 fundraising pledge uh, this year, as one lucky march will win a Marathon March t-shirt signed by new signing Mateus Franza. There we go. Uh, you can sign up now at uh, their website, palaceforlife.org. Um, and he says, we'll see you at Selhurst on the 14th of October. Uh, and the FYP donation link is below. So, yeah, please do please do help out however you can, whether that is walking yourself or um, donating to FYP or anyone else you know that's doing the march, because that money is much appreciated and really does change lives across uh, South London. And you can find out more about how that happens um, at palaceforlife.org as well. Let's get on with questions uh, from our listeners. I'm going to go through and try and find... Oh, okay, here's one. Someone we haven't mentioned yet, Jack. Here's one for you. Someone who I don't think is going to uh, get a mention in 321. Uh, from Fixing Football Podcasts. Shout Fixing out to them. Uh, do you think Rob Holding will or should get a run of games soon? Not an ideal debut for, for Mr. Holding. Um, n- no. Because of Mark Gay and, and Jerkham Anderson being so good. But Rob Holding's debut last night was not one of the finest debuts I've ever seen in a Palace show. It was a tough evening for him. Um, showed some nice touch on the ball and, and clearly can, can move the ball around quite nicely. But yeah, difficult evening against, as Andy said in the, in the first part, not the most potent of Manchester United attack. So um, he needs minutes. He, he you know hasn't played that much. And I'm sure his summer was a bit weird knowing that he was... Um, able to leave Arsenal so I, I don't know how many minutes he got for Arsenal during pre-season either but he did look look like a man who's not played much football recently to be honest Andy yeah I totally agree um, bit of a baptism of fire I think you know I think over the last couple of years both Anderson and Gay have had injuries at times haven't they so I think to have him in the squad as a slightly better option over Tompkins is is great and I think I think it will pay off given time Richards obviously I will discuss Richards probably a little bit later I thought he played really well last night and I'm I'm a fan of Richards I, I think he's a good player I think he's got a great turn of pace I think given a longer run in the team would be good but I think that central defender position we often do pick up injuries so I think it's good to have him but I think last night was a tough tough outing for him yeah, yeah, it's not an ideal um, first fixture, um, but we'll see how he does. I think you're right. I think it's. I can't imagine he's been brought in and promised much game time, given that is probably our strongest position. Um, but as you say, injuries do happen, so we'll see. Um, again, someone who I don't think is going to feature in. Uh, did we talk about him in part one a little bit in three, two, one? Is, is Jez Raksaki? Just a couple of questions on that. K Dub thirteen. Hello, K Dub. I've seen a lot of negativity about Jez after the ma- this match. Is it a bit harsh or is it time to hit the panic button? I don't know what that means, but um, I don't think what we can be the- too negative. I don't know if that means, I don't know what that means, a panic button. In general, <laughs> ejecting Jez out, putting him out of the club, I don't know. Um, is the panic think- button that is the panic button Andros Townsend on, on a free until, <laughs> until January? Funny you say that. He was there last night. He was there. He was, was he doing it did TV? Yeah, yeah. We had a question from uh Josh Bailey, Josh Bailey, 
Uh, bring back Townsend to help with the winger depth. Can't be worse than having three academy players on the I read, bench. I read this morning that he's, he's training at Spurs, so I don't know how likely it is that Palace will make contact with him and, and make that deal, but he spoke very openly this week. He was on Monday Night Club on the BBC and, and spoke very openly about the disappointment of not getting the move to Burnley that was very close. And He's a very likeable guy, Andros, and I think this isn't me advocating he does come back, but I don't think it would be as awful a move to bring him in. That said, exactly the point I've just made about Rob Holding hasn't played any minutes, so he won't be up to, to speed. So you'd literally bring in, be bringing him in for kind of depth and vibes around Beckham. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a weird option, but uh, he's clearly fit enough to get trials at other Premier League clubs. And the fact it's a viable option is pretty ridiculous, to be honest. I don't think it will happen. I think... France and, and Elise being back sooner rather than later. Um, you know, they're back in two games' time. So you, you'd expect us not to delve into the free transfer market. But do wish Andros all the best. And I hope whatever he hopes for in his future does come true because he's clearly one of the good guys. Straw poll. Would you take him back? Yes or no? Jack, yes or no? No. Jim? It depend, uh, depending on wages, I, I probably would. On a short-term basis, as a bit of cover, you know what you're going to get from him. You know you're not going to get, you know, you're going to get 100% from him. Nice guy. Probably would, Andy, but... And, Andy's nodding, so I think it's 2-1. Yeah, I'd take him. I'd take him, him on the short-term deal. Get him in. I thought the straw poll was going to be Andros or Yannick. I thought that's what you were going to offer up there. <laughs> All right, here's, here's another one then. Andros or Raksaki? Oh. I, I mean, going back to the original question about Jez, and we, we did touch on the first half, he looked overawed last night. I thought it was actually quite painful to watch him. I, I really felt for the lad. Um, what really impressed Charlton fans of him last year was his close control, and there were two instances in the first 20 minutes last night where the ball just ballooned off his left foot, his better foot, when he was actually moving into space, and he had Jordan IU to his left in space. Really nice opportunity. And that's the, the first one. The second one, kind of, I think it bounced off him for a, a goal kick, and I think Selzy talks about Sofian Amrabat, who um, was making his first appearance of the season, so could have been got at covering at left-back for some reason. But Sofian Amrabat rubs his head as if to be like, unlucky, mate. Like, it was a rough start for, for Jez last night. And um, I think we all know that the next logical move for Jez was a championship loan move. The fact that so many championship loan... Uh, sorry, so many championship clubs were lining loan moves up for him means that that was kind of an open secret in, in amongst clubs, that Jez was open... Well, the club are open to just going out. And the fact we weren't able to supplement the squad in that part meant that we've had to keep him. And I think last night's performance indicates he's he's not ready. And I think the desire for him to come into the team more regularly, as some fans seem to want, is is a desire out of desperation, a desire for anything different. But that anything different can't be a, a youngster who's not ready to play at the level. It's as simple as that. So if you're, if you're going back to your question, Andy, if it's Andros or, or Jez... It probably would be Andros, but I, I just think I think the place might might start to burn if we bring Andros. I, I just think, <laughs> I just think it'd be carnage. I would certainly throw my phone into the sea and not look at social media for a while. Um, yeah, can't believe we're having these conversations. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, in, I, I in, felt, September. Felt, in September, in September, I felt really sorry for him last night. But like, this is such a big moment and such an, an opportunity against. I mean, I thought Amrabat was brilliant. Just put that mm. out of there, but. I, against a second string United team. It's like, come on, this is this is the moment. But then, 
I know this is a year it was a year on, but he started against Man United at home in Vieira's last home game of that of his first season. Yeah. I know he went to Charlton and did what he did at Charlton, but even that was it was a that was a slow full debut that one. Mm. And it was a hard one to be thrown into, but we did win that game, you know, and even watching then, you know, there were moments where some of the younger players who have come on in the past and their sparks and you think, Oh, okay, there's 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 something there's a spark there. If you can just tame it a bit, he's really going to go places. He's a slightly different kind of player. And we're probably, and I don't want to be harsh to him because it's not his fault. And Jack, you're completely right. He needed to go and learn his trade elsewhere, I think. But probably still yet to see that moment of, oh, I get it. See what everyone else is talking about. Yeah. Maybe this is actually just unfair on him. This is hindering his development a little bit. Yeah. It does feel a bit. It does feel a bit unfair, and players like that. Clearly, there's a player there. I mean, obviously, wouldn't have been doing what he's done on loan so far. They, play, they need. They need support. Those, those players at that age, they need support. And yeah. and yeah, this, it's not. It wasn't helpful for him last night. I don't think. Perhaps more positively, we can look at David Ozo's 15 minutes, which I thought was was fairly positive. I thought he got about quite well. He's clearly very mobile, um, and and you know the, his build. He's he's able to kind of mix it with with Premier League ready midfielders. So that that was a slightly more encouraging cameo, I guess. And I was pleased to see that he he got his minutes when when Gyro um his race was his race was run. Um but yeah I thought Ozo did well. It just it would have been absolutely beautiful if he scored that chance he had and he just seemed to snap at it a little bit mm. and seemed to be harder to miss the target than actually hit the target at that point. Um but yeah he his his cameo was was um yeah, more impressive than the Jez's, I think it's fair to say. But that came in a spell where we had a few chances, didn't we? Uh, um, Onana pulled off a good save down to his left from Mateta and then another one with Mateta on the left foot and then there was Ozo's shot. So, you know, on another day, one of those goes in, maybe it doesn't quite feel so, as bad uh, or maybe even, who knows, sparks a late revival or, or whatever. But we really were, we're talking about crumbs today from the from the table, aren't we, in terms, of, yeah. in terms of... <laughs> Anything positive, and I think actually that, I think it's time for us to maybe move on to three, two, one, because that is our positive po- podcast. So maybe we can we can revisit, find a bit more positivity in three, two, one before we preview another trip to Old Trafford uh, on Saturday. Welcome back to the Fabri Plan Podcast. That's such a tired way. Such a tired <laughs> way. Oh, that sums up the week. Um, sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, right. It's time for three, two, one. Uh, this is where we pick three players who deserve um, a bit of praise um, from well, the week's football. Normally, one game. This week, two games. Uh, and we give the best one three points, second one two points, and the third one one point. And then at the end of the season, whoever's got the most points gets an FYP Player of the Season award. The lucky thing. Um, just to give an update, so after four episodes that we've done this for so far, uh, leading the way with five points is Jean-Philippe Mateta. Jesus Christ. Second on four points, Odson Edward. Okay. Uh, joint on three points, Lerma and Decore. Uh, and then two points, Ward, Hughes and Anderson, Mitchell, Ayu and Eze, all on one point. I wonder, Jack, if we're going to get any new names chucked in the mix today. Who are you suggesting? Uh, I will put through, actually, sorry, I wasn't really listening. I was more absolutely struck by Jean-Philippe Mateta <laughs> being top of that list. Um, I will kind of echo my point from the first part. Mark Gay, for me, 
really good, back from injury. Um, perhaps not the man of the match, but I was, I was delighted with his impact. And um, it kind of lost on me, actually, the importance of the, the header he won towards the end of the second half. Um, Fulham changed tack and they brought Vinicius on um, and had a bit more of an aerial threat in the uh, in the penalty area. And, and they put a very decent cross in and, and Mark Gay did really well to kind of get that away safely. But yeah, he just adds that calm, collected kind of impact at the... the uh, the base of the team and what struck me so far this season, I, I think he's better on the ball than he has been previously. I think he's more confident stepping out and um, against Fulham. He had one moment in the second half where he, he brought the ball forward 40 yards or so really quickly. And, and it was one of our more positive moments of the second half. It didn't go anywhere, but that wasn't Mark's fault. He, he kind of really moved us up the pitch very quickly. He's done it a few times this season. So yeah, Mark Gay for me, um, my, uh, my nominee this week. A good shout and a good, you know, good, good, Cameo against United as well, as we went to a three at the back, actually. We haven't even talked about that. Uh, um, first time in Roy's tenure, potentially, sells you reckons. Anyway, um, maybe we'll talk about that more in final part when we preview the next game. Andy, I've got a one in mind, but you go for yours and we'll see if we overlap. Okay, I've got two contenders, but I'm going to pick one so as to not ruin your uh, your big moment in the spotlight, Jim, and hope it's the, the opposite. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Ayew. I think... I think the Man United game, I think he was one of the only ones who stood up. Obviously, he captained the team, I think, for the first time. Pretty sure for the first mm, time. You're right. I think Jordan is one of the only players who, week in, week out, will put in a level of performance. Never really, you know, dips below a kind of solid six or a seven, ever. Um, he wins those fouls in those moments. He's positive in those moments. I know he can be frustrating, but for me, across the last our previous two games, I think he's shown up the most. So, uh, so my vote this week would be uh, would be Jordan Ayew. Okay, well, that, I mean, that's a that's a good chat. I feel like Jordan's going to be there or thereabouts, really, with uh, with this three two one because he's always going to be picking up points here and there. My two suggestions were going to be either Will Hughes for fairly solid performances in both games, or maybe even a shout for Gyro. For the Man United game, I actually don't think he disgraced himself at all. Obviously, we won't see him again for another year, but like he, he doesn't, he never really sort of lets us down when he comes in. I think the expectation is low, and the bar is low with Gyro. Um, I think maybe over the course of both games, Hughesy probably did more. I mean, literally played more minutes, so uh, probably deserves it. Um, it would though, Jack be Jaro's probably only mention of the season. Or do we do we do it for you know nostalgia purposes, or do we actually are we a bit more serious and give give Hughie the point? It's definitely fair to mention Jaro. I think um, I think you're right to say that he was one of our better performers last night. I think what he showcased is just his technical ability on the ball again. He's he's really easy on the eye in terms of being able to kind of progress the ball in in tight areas, and, and his close control is very good. Um, but I felt for him, you know, I couldn't believe it that he was still on the pitch for 65 on the clock. I thought the bloke's not played football for, for a calendar year. So let's let's give him a break. And, and eventually he did run out of gas. And that's when David Ozo came on. So I think it's nice to mention Jaro. I do think Will Hughes was probably more impactful. But I think in view of the mention to, to Jaro, I thought Andy's mentioned him already, but I thought Chris Richards had um, yeah. about as good a game a centre-half can do when you've lost 3-0. I thought he was really um, quite impressive and and. If he can keep himself fit, I think he does provide that option should, as Selzy says in his part earlier, which I think you're releasing to everyone, so people will know what I'm talking about. Um, 
he could provide the option of playing three at the back, possibly, which is where he showed his best form playing for Hoffenheim when he had his loan there from from Bayern. So that could be an option, but he he doesn't do really anything to, to disgrace himself. The one thing I think he might have actually got away with last night, and it didn't benefit Palace because we conceded from the subsequent corner, but his tackle, which was lauded because yeah. of this last ditch, I, I actually thought that was probably more of a penalty than the one he gave away at Villa. Oh, it's really? Villa vibes. Wasn't yeah. it? It's Villa vibes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't get that vibe at all. Wrong but... foot. Yeah, Wrong foot. Too. Contact on the shin. Has he yeah. learned nothing? <laughs> Have you learned nothing in the world of Darren England's Chris Richards? Um, yeah, so... I, but I thought he had a very good game, um, relatively speaking. And uh, so I think him and Gyro definitely worth a shout for the uh, performance last night. But I think it's probably fair to, to nominate Will Hughes for the 3 2. Well, not to sway your thinking, Jim. It's your, no, no. It's your vote, mate. I'm a big Hughesy fan, so I'm happy with that. That that means we've got um, Gahey, Ayu, and Hughes. Where are we uh, well, dividing these we, points? We kind of all agreed that Sam Johnson was man of the match, and none of us yeah. have gone for Sam Johnson. Yeah. This is. This is the peril of 3 2 one that sometimes... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is sometimes the peril that a player could be our best player. I think Johnson deserves... I think Johnson deserves a point, a minimum, a point, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. up to you guys. I'm, I'm sticking with Mark Gay. I don't mind Sam Johnson not getting points. He won't care. So I'm happy with... <laughs> I'm happy to uh, to take out Hughesy for Johnson. Okay. I think, even though... Obviously, that performance came in one of the games. He did play in the other game, and I think he was very good against Fulham. Easily man of the match. So, um, I feel like I've swayed your thoughts there too much. I feel like I've <laughs> no, it's, got it's, in your head. You've got, you've got in my head. Living in my head, red free. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so let's give... Shall we give Gahey the three? Um, I, think so. I think so. He was phenomenal on Saturday. He's been he so good all season. And then you see him coming on. I was actually a bit annoyed him coming on at half time. So I was like, just leave him off. Let him stay fresh for the weekend. <laughs> Not as annoyed as I was whenever each Eze took his training top off. Well, I yeah, believe that he was coming totally. on. Totally. Um, I think he deserves the three points, doesn't he? All right. Three for Mark. Should we go two for Jordan and one and one for Sam? I'd go the other way, but... Okay, two for two for two for Sam. I feel one like I'm exerting too. No, I've got too much influence. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then all the complaints can be directed towards you. So that's absolutely <laughs> fine. That takes Jordan on to two. Uh, Johnson on the board for the first time with two. Uh, Gay on the board for the first time. Yeah, I didn't think you mentioned him. Wow, with three. Yeah. So there we go. Three more, two more, two more players into the uh, into the pack. So um, uh, Jean Philippe Mateta goes into October top of the charts. Is that what we're saying? He's still way out in front. Yeah, <laughs> madness, absolute oh, madness. Can't wait for next week where we talk about Andres Townsend <laughs> being part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's take a break there. When we come back, we're going to preview uh, our second trip to Old Trafford in four days. Welcome back to the Public Plan Podcast. Spon- that's a better way. Uh, sponsored by... Much better. Yeah. Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Right, it's time for a preview. We probably could just... Uh, well, actually, did we preview the last podcast? I can't remember. Um, let's... Let's try and preview it, though, Belly. Come on, let's try. Uh, let me let me put you a question, actually, from Jamie Penniston-Raja. Hi, Jamie. Jamie. Uh, is Roy playing mind games in May United to give them a false sense of security come Saturday? We all know he's never wanted to focus on the cup, so it's a small price to pay for three points. This is how football works, isn't it, Andy? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. 
Oh, I mean, there's not much he can do here, really, is there? I think the only the only outside thing is that if the rumour is true that Edward was just rested and the injury is not as bad as everyone's sort of been saying it is online, but I guess we won't find that out until the very last minute. I I have a funny feeling. I know we touched upon it. I have a funny feeling that he might go three at the back. Um, I think our lack of options in the wide areas. I think he'll try and probably shut up shop, play in a similar manner to the way that he did last night and try and hit on the break, but we've got very little to counter with. I think he's going up there to respect the point. And in that, and with that in mind, I reckon we could well see three at the back. How would you feel about that, Jack? I would, as every time we pose the idea of three at the back, my first thought are the uh, options at wing back. And um, one man who didn't, and this doesn't just come as president of the J. Joel Ward Society. Um, I thought Nathaniel Klein had a horrible night last night really difficult yeah. night for, for Nathaniel Klein who actually in terms of, of wing back would probably be the better option compared to Joel but I, I don't think you can kind of justify him coming into the, the league team after that performance but he probably would be the better wing back option that said you know I think there's an argument for it because you know with other options elsewhere in the pitch you might have to just literally look at your best your best players who are available and build your team around your best players and I think it's probably fair to say that Chris Richards is among the best 11 players that we've got at the moment. So you might as well play him. I found it quite interesting last night that, that Gay played as the, um, at times the left back when the kind of five at the back became four at the back and Chris Richards didn't drop to full back because so many people seem to think Chris Richards could do that. But it was actually Gay who dropped out to that furthest position. Um, wouldn't be surprised if we see it. I think there's arguments against it. But to be honest, I don't recall... Um, probably not that far back, but I can't recall the expectations for a league game being as low as they are for this Saturday. Um, so we'll see what Roy does. We'll see if the injury news is regarding Edward is any better than has been rumoured. If it's not, then yeah, we're, we're pretty limited with what we can do. I think that maybe gives us the option as well, better options from set pieces. I think we're quite a small team on the whole. Yeah. And I think if you bring Richards in there and then you chuck Anderson in there as well and Gay. I think we'll be we're more of a threat from attacking set pieces and obviously defending set pieces, but attacking set pieces, which might give us our best chance of actually scoring a goal up there if we are looking a little bit blunt at the top of the pitch. I was going to say, going into a game with little expectation, that's from Palace do their damage. Come on, guys, it's written, <laughs> surely. Surely, Chris Richards' winner at <laughs> the back post. Definitely oh, Jeffrey Schlupp, 90 plus 12 or something like that. I don't know. Schlupp, he loves a goal at Old Trafford, to be fair, doesn't he? So He does love a goal, but again, I just had a really non-performance from him last night. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he, he really has a role within the squad, but his role within the team at the moment is is too much. That's what I would say about Schlupp. I've no issue with him as a squad player. I think he's a wonderful bloke to have around as an option for different positions. But I think Dom and Selzy said that he had maybe one of his better games on Saturday against Fulham. And, and in part, he did. He, he was able to drift off Helena and, and play the ball wide, but his impact on the game widely just is just really not there. But again, due to the lack of options, you know, you, this kind of spell with, with two games in such close proximity with the injuries, Ahamada must be furious that he's tweaked a muscle because he would be getting minutes. And it's a real shame that he's out at the moment. Um but yeah, no, not much hope for this weekend. But as you say, Jim, it might be that we're talking about a famous Palace point next week. Who knows? The really the frustrating thing is, is that I don't think it's a place that we should be that scared of. 
You know, just look at their overall. Like we made yeah. them look so good last night. We yeah. made, made Harry Maguire look like a world class centre back. Had <laughs> nothing to do. You've been talking to Gareth Southgate again. <laughs> I just, I, we should be going there, you know, feeling confident. And it's yeah. just, if it had, had it been not for last night, I think we probably would be going there feeling a lot more confident. But I just think we've got it within us to go up there and put in a good performance. I just, I hope last night hasn't knocked the stuffing out of them and just made the whole, you know, super negative and nervous about the trip because we do have, we do, we can play. We can do like we can we can get something out of that game on Saturday. Well, and also we looked, you know, we looked more threatening when Ebbs came on. Of course we did. Um, and he got through that little cameo. Again, Jack, one of one of many, if not all Palace fans who was sort of wondering why he's coming on at 3-0 down, but got through that cameo and you know, we know we have more of a spark with him on. So with with him and the team, hopefully we've got more chance of carving something open. But um Difficult away day for, for fans just practically on Saturday. So kudos to everyone strike. that's going. Yeah. yeah. Shout out yeah. to everyone that's going with the current mood around the place in the, the train strike. Shout out to, to anyone that's making that trip. Good on you. Absolutely right. And a good place to end the pod. So lads, thanks very much for joining me. I know that was a bit of a hard one this, today, but uh, we got through it. Um, so yeah, appreciate that. We'll be back next week reviewing that game. Hopefully we get a post-match pod, of course, on Saturday night, hopefully. Um as part of your reward, patreon.com slash FYP podcast. And uh, that's it. Don't forget to check out the Green King Sport Instagram page as well. Link below. Uh, thanks for their support. And that's it. We'll see you again uh, next week. Who knows what happens at the weekend, but uh, we'll be here next week regardless. Until then, take care. And we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.